Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to the Catalyst for Change podcast, where we help leaders lead better. I'm your host, Zach Pruitt, and just so excited to welcome my guest today, Johnny Otley. Um, we're going to be talking about employee wellness, increasing retention, and quiet quitting. Um, but Johnny, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Thank you, Zach. Glad yeah. to be here. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time. And um, I know it's been a little bit of a rush trying to get you here and, and on. Um, so I just appreciate your time and your willingness to um, just input everything that you can in today's session. So cool. well, first off, um, I guess just let us know a little bit about yourself first, um, both recreationally and then, you know, who you are professionally. Just give us some background into your life, what you enjoy doing in your free time and then what you do professionally. Absolutely, Zach. Uh, well, currently, I am a corporate trainer for Dale Carnegie here in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, I help train uh, corporations around the Southeast United States in increasing self-confidence, developing their interpersonal skills, becoming better leaders, enhancing communication, uh, those types of soft skills. Uh, as far as hobbies go, I love to travel. I've been to about 30 different countries, uh, lived in three countries. And so that has really been a recurring theme throughout my life. I just love to explore new cultures and have those uh, adventurous experiences. Uh, I love to swim. I'm a former head coach of a USA swim team here in Atlanta, Georgia. And so left that behind as I progressed on to Dale Carnegie. But that will always be a part of me as well. Awesome. Awesome. So good to hear. So you said you've been to 30 countries? Was that yeah. you said? Wow, that is incredible. Okay, off topic, and this is going to be a hard one. Um, sure. What What has been your favorite country to visit? I'll Ooh. give you like top three if you have to. <laughs> sure. Well, I would say probably Poland uh, for, okay. for a variety of reasons. Um, another one is New Zealand. I okay. love the nature of New Zealand. Uh, I don't know if you're a Lord of the Rings fan. Oh my gosh, yes. But one of my core memories was I visited Hobbiton uh, there in Matamata and uh, they gave me a contract in hand and I was able to run through the Shire uh, shouting, I'm going on an adventure. And that was probably the coolest experience uh, I've had to date. Oh my goodness. Wow. That is so cool. Yeah, definitely a Lord of the Rings fan. So that is, nice. that's very cool. What an <laughs> experience. Um, so you and I have followed each other on social media for a little while now. And I, I think it's one of those, um, another one of those situations where I really don't know how or why, but you know, just okay. these things seem to happen, um, especially in the social world that we live in today. Um, but you recently had a post that you shared where you were on a panel discussion, and I believe it was with the local Chamber of Commerce, um, maybe in your area, but you were, the, the, the panel was on speaking just about burnout to breakthrough, and that really caught my attention, and, and I knew at that moment that I really wanted to get you on here for a discussion, um, because helping others deal with and walk through burnout has really been something that's been on my mind a lot recently. Can you talk a little bit more about that particular panel discussion and then maybe some of the key takeaways from that? Sure. Yeah. So that panel discussion uh, was focused on identifying um, what burnout is, what it feels like, uh, how to notice it uh, from a leader's perspective, 
And then we talked about some ways to address it and hopefully prevent it. And if it's already there, to repair those good relationships and have things move towards an effective direction. And so we had three different panelists, um, all from different uh, backgrounds, and they each gave some value that really stood out to the audience. Um, something that was a really recurring theme in that panel was building trust. Mm. If we don't have trust, um, it's very hard to even come close to addressing burnout. Um, John Maxwell says that trust is the foundation of any relationship. He says developing trust is like constructing a house. It takes time and it has to be done piece by piece. And just like building a house, it's a lot easier to tear that down than to build it up. Yeah. So you can spend months and months building trust with someone and say the wrong thing in the wrong moment and all that trust comes tumbling down. So from a leader's perspective, um, it really takes being intentional about the conversations we have, the questions we ask, and uh, understanding the importance of having that foundation of trust. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. So going off script here a little bit more, um, sure. you did tell me beforehand that you were okay with this. So oh, of course, absolutely. It <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's interesting. So I, I'm curious how you would define burnout. And I'm going to kind of give some introduction into this and just see what yeah. your thoughts are too. Because as I have been studying burnout um, back in May of 2019, the World Health Organization actually redefined um, their definition of what they would consider burnout. And I don't have that directly in front of me at the moment. Um, I have it in my notes, so I may have to grab that. But essentially, um, their definition of burnout is excluding anything other than the workplace. In other words, they say that burnout only occurs in the occupational setting. So I'm just curious what your thoughts on that redefinition is, and then how would you define burnout? Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I was actually asked this same question in that panel, and I was the last person to go. So the first two panelists uh, gave some elaborate answers that were really great. Mm -hmm. And uh, using some Dale Carnegie approaches, uh, my response to this question was, to everyone in the room, raise our hand if we've ever experienced burnout, mm -hmm. all 100 people raised their hand. So the truth is we all know what burnout feels like. Mm -hmm. We understand yeah. that definition be because probably everyone in the world has gone through that at one point or another. Yeah. Um, the best way I can describe it is uh, when, we, when we start asking, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Is this still worth it for me as an individual? Mm. Because in any role, there's an input and an output. And people are putting in their time, their effort, their energy, and they're expecting to get compensated. They're expecting to get appreciated. And if they feel like that input and that output is not balanced, burnout tends to settle in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So do you think... And again, this may be getting a little bit too technical. Um, do you think burnout is something that is exclusive for the occupational space? Or maybe we can experience similar feelings um, outside of the occupation, but perhaps it's just there's there are other words to describe that. What are your thoughts? Sure. I think you can experience burnout in any situation, uh, whether it's 
it's athletics, uh, your professional career, even relationships. Uh, burnout extends really to any area of our life, in my personal opinion, um, because it, it, it runs into that same uh, basic foundation. The input and the output, if those are not balanced, again, whether it's athletics, a relationship with someone else, uh, or what brings you know food on the table, uh, your yeah. job, yeah. Uh, we can we can always experience those same so same same feelings of burnout. Yeah, 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 and 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 I would definitely lean toward agreeing with you on that. Um, whenever yeah. I initially saw that the World Health Organization redefined you know how they define burnout back in 2019, that definitely intrigued me, and it's had my mind yeah. thinking on that a lot. And I'm like, okay, you know. Um, I, you know, I'd be very curious and I, I need to do more research on it as to what their reasoning was. And then, you know, what, what would their explanation be for those same feelings outside of the occupational setting? So absolutely. Very interesting. And from my experience, if, uh, the different areas of our life, uh, have more stressors, if, if there's a lot of tension going on, a lot of challenge in the different areas of our life. Uh, that tends to bleed over. Mm -hmm. So we go to work, we have a lot of stress, we come home, we have a lot of stress. It's important to have that balance. And uh, that's why one of the ways to address burnout is to use those PTO days. If you have PTO days, make sure that we use those <laughs> yes. because those are there for a reason. Yeah. And a lot of times people feel guilty to use those PTO days. Uh, but I feel like that's actually doing a disservice to our organizations if we fail to use those, because uh, those are there to help us rejuvenate and refresh so that we can be our best selves back in the workplace. Yeah, yeah. And so kind of leading into what you just spoke about a little bit there at the end, from what you, from your perspective and, and what you have seen, what are some benefits or ways that employers can support employees who are maybe experiencing burnout and what can they do as a form of prevention to help their employees from burning out? Yeah, um, and I'm so glad that you mentioned prevention because mm -hmm. it's very hard to repair uh, situations where there is burnouts mm -hmm. and then it leads to quiet quitting uh, because once a person has made up their mind that they've checked out, they've already had that quiet quitting set in, um, it's very hard to get them back. Uh, people might think that they've retained their employee by uh, implementing a new process. They might delay the quit for about a year, mm. but it's a really important to keep that from actually setting in in the first place. Um, so taking a preventative approach is much more effective for employers. One of the ways that we do this at Dale Carnegie is uh, to have people laugh together. Once a month, we have a virtual meeting with everyone in the franchise. And we've got people in Chattanooga, Nashville, Orlando, Atlanta. And we have people jump on that meeting and we'll open a game uh, using Jackbox or another gaming platform. And we will all just for a whole hour laugh together. And when we're able to laugh together, crack some jokes, you know, get to know each other in a low stress environment mm -hmm. allows us to build trust. And that trust can be the foundation to start, you know, trying to take those preventative measures yeah. um, against quiet quitting and burnout. Wow. That is so cool. Um, yeah. I, I love that. 
So you mentioned quiet quitting there. So let's let's talk more about that real quick. So what exactly do you mean by quiet quitting? Like, what is that? Why does it exist? What causes it? And then how do you keep that from happening? Absolutely. So quiet quitting, um, it's when someone comes to work, they still do the bare minimum of their job, but they have no passion. They don't want to be there. They come in, they get the paycheck, they go home, probably make a lot of mistakes along the way, make everyone else's life a little bit harder. And they're basically just doing enough not to get fired, but they're not giving their full uh, energy and they're not living up to their full potential in their role. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like that. So what are ways that maybe employers can help prevent that from happening, you know, from seeing their employees get to that point? There's a couple ways. Uh, One, ask lots of questions. Um, our, the owner of our franchise, uh, I was doing a co-training with him about a month ago and, uh, I had just gone back and forth from Nashville driving three hours each way. And I was exhausted and, uh, he noticed a little, something different about me and my demeanor. And he asked me, Johnny, how are you doing? How's running going? how's your ultra marathons going? And I was surprised that he actually remembered that I'm an ultra marathon runner. And if we get to know our employees and ask those intentional questions and help them to realize that we care about them, Mm -hmm. uh, that definitely helps. Another way is to give recognition uh, because Zach, how expensive is a compliment? Yeah, it's completely free. It's free. Absolutely. So once once a month, what we do is we have a trainer of the month. We have a salesperson of the month. We have a values in action person of the month uh, to shout out to these individuals who is living our core values, who is going above and beyond. And I know from personal experience that anytime a person's name is is announced once a month at our all franchise meeting, they reply to their emails a little bit faster. They got an, an extra energetic step in, in their in their step all, all day in the office. They have a little bit more energy and they take ownership mm. of their role. So being able to give that recognition in shout outs, it's completely free and it goes a long way. Yeah, yeah, I love it, I love it. So one thing that you talk about is increasing retention. And I can tell you as, um, you know, a hiring manager myself, that the market is just incredibly difficult right now. Um, even in markets where you don't think that you'll have difficulty hiring someone, it's oh extremely gosh, difficult. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it really doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. You're, you're going to have trouble. So the last thing that I want um, on a selfish level is seeing someone quit because that means that I have to open up a requisition and, you know, mm-hmm. I have to start the hiring process and, and trying to find a replacement for that individual. And again, that sounds selfish, but that's just reality on my end. Do you think that some of what we have just covered um, can be a contributor to increasing retention? And what else do you think, like what can employers do to, rec- to increase retention in their organizations? Yeah, absolutely. The recognition helps a lot. And and let's face it, like you said, um, 
if people quit, we have to put forth a lot of resources mm -hmm. to replace them. And in today's world, um, I know my generation personally, just speaking again from experience, uh, we're on to the next thing in the blink of an eye without a care in the world. Yeah. So if we have Indeed, if we have ZipRecruiter, if we have LinkedIn jobs, and we find something else that kind of perks our interest a little bit more, yeah. if we don't have a work environment that is is uh, in reinforcing psychological safety mm -hmm. and building that trust, we're on to the next thing. Um, and that costs employers a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of resources. And so having those um, uh, monthly announcements where there's that recognition, that goes a long way. Um, and also for a younger generation, I'd say ages 20, even to 35, uh, they are very motivated by compensation. Mm -hmm. And so even if we can find little ways to have bonus opportunities or some type of um, financial incentives annually, if they stick around and they do their job, we're rewarding them in the way that matters most to them. And that's money. And yeah. so if, if they're able to see that there's a way that they can stick around, make a little bit of extra money and be appreciated, there's a much more likely chance that they won't be on to that next opportunity in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as a, um, you know, you said that you're a corporate trainer for Dell Carnegie. So I'm curious, what does that role look like exactly? And how can, how yeah. does that play into, you know, everything that we're talking about today? Sure. So at Dell Carnegie, I train, um, the Dell Carnegie course is, is the main one that I train. It's a 12 week course, uh, focused on, uh, enhancing communication, uh, improving interpersonal skills, learning how to resolve conflict, disagree agreeably, handle stress in the workplace. And so I work with all different ages in a variety of different industries. Oftentimes I'll work with construction, healthcare, even like software companies. And I'm able to um, understand where each participant is coming from and uh, relate to them as much as possible and to a certain extent, customize my delivery and facilitation specifically to address their needs. Mm, okay, cool, cool. So one thing that I have um, seen and experienced is that, because I've seen this in some of my own staff, is that a lack of promotion oftentimes, or maybe... Yeah they get promoted, but we're slowing down that transition period, or maybe we don't have a transition period. They're just kind of waiting around for all of the pieces to be moved around. I've, I found that a lot of times those also contribute to Absolutely. employees burning out. You know, they just get tired of either waiting for that um, promotion or they get tired of sitting around waiting for all of these pieces to be moved around. Have you seen this to be true as well? And, and what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, employers should not make promises that they can't keep. Mm -hmm. So uh, don't oversell the position upfront. If you tell an employee as they're getting hired, hey, um, you could be up for a promotion in three months. You could be making $200,000 in six months. 
they hear that if they hear that maybe and they think the only reason I'm signing up for this position is because that is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so make sure uh, as an employer, make sure that we are honest and transparent about the reality of the position. And if there is an opportunity for promotion, understand how important that is to the employee and to, to the best of our abilities as employers, uh, really make that pathway a smooth process for employees uh, to be able to obtain yeah. that promotion, that raise, that bonus. Yeah, absolutely. What are your thoughts, um, you know, for, because this is something that I'm also dealing with, is when companies um, have to either get rid of a particular department or, you know, set of staff, that sort of thing. How do you handle, you know, the rest of the staff that are kind of, you know, standing around thinking, okay, am I next? And how do you, how do you make sure that the rest of your employees aren't freaking out that they're not wanting to jump ship? Um, That sort of thing. What, what, what are your thoughts on all that? Sure. Um, that specific area all traces back to trust. If mm. we have trust with our employer and we believe that they're going to be transparent and honest with us, then to a certain extent, we can rest assured mm-hmm. that we're, we're okay. Like it's, it's not uh, a cutthroat environment. There's no. psychological safety. Um, and again, that traces back to asking questions. If mm. the employer can sit down, maybe have a one-on-one meeting. Me personally, I have a weekly one-on-one meeting with my boss, the VP of training. Um, And I ask her sometimes, I'm like, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? What should I keep doing? What should I start doing? And when we have that transparent conversation and I allow her to get everything off of her chest, I'm able to get everything off of my chest then there's no hidden corners, any, any mystery going on. We can really understand, okay, I'm in a secure place uh, or this is what I need to do to improve. Mm-hmm. And so if employers keep those channels of communication open with their employees, uh, that creates a psychologically safe environment and allows, that, uh, allows those misunderstandings and that mystery and maybe the uncertainty and nervousness that employees feel in those transition periods to fade away. Yeah. Yeah, man, you have um, offered just so much great insight and great advice before we hop off here. Do you have any other closing words or remarks that you may want to leave the listener with? Sure. And I'll just repeat it again. Trust, trust, trust. Uh, Stephen Covey said, that trust is the highest form of human motivation. So if we want to create an engaging team where people are motivated to be their best, it starts with trust. Del Carnegie said that people support a world that they help create. And mm-hmm. so if we, if we create an environment where people feel like they're part of the solution, they have a voice, they're able to speak up with value, and, and you bring that creative nature to the table, then definitely they are more likely to stick around. So yeah, be intentional. Make sure we're taking those steps to increase trust with our employees and we will retain them. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's so good. Johnny, thank you again so much for hopping on today. Um, you have just provided so much great insight and um, we really appreciate your time. Happy to do so. Thanks so much, Zach. Absolutely. All right, guys, that's all we have for you today. That was the Catalyst for Change podcast, where we help leaders lead better. Make sure that you like and subscribe and, and comment. It helps more than you know. And we'll see you again next week on the Catalyst for Change podcast.